Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, Herstory fans, and welcome to week two of our Herstory Horween, where we're talking about some dastardly dames from Herstory you probably haven't heard of. If this is your first time listening, this is Whining About Herstory, the women's history podcast, where two longtime ghoul friends talk about women from history you probably haven't heard of, and hopefully, in this case haven't i'm emily i'm kelly and thank you so much for joining us i hope my sultry npr voice with a hint of dark violence was uh effective in setting the mood so kelly you've picked our wine this week and uh from what i hear it's stunningly if not inappropriately it's appropriate probably, it's probably inappropriately <laughs> Just, appropriate. it's treading the line there's a word i've been trying to think of for like two days like that describes it, and I can't think of what it is, so it'll come to me. It's appropriately inappropriate. Yes. So today, we're drinking Apothic Inferno, an, which is a red aged in whiskey barrels for 60 <gasps> days. Yeah. Have we drank this before? No, uh, we, we may have done Apothic Red. I don't know... I don't think we've done Inferno before. At least I, I've no, I don't think I've ever had Inferno before. Because I thought for like our first or second episode, because that aged in whiskey barrels. Maybe I maybe, got maybe some on go my back. own. So it says, a new blend emerges from the flames of a time-honored craft, creating a most unexpected and masterful encounter. This small batch wine has been aged for 60 days in whiskey barrels. Red and dark fruit flavors combine with layers of maple and spice, giving way to a long, clean finish. That sounds sexy. I'm yeah. turned on. I haven't. We haven't actually tried this one yet. So, yeah, I uh, I got here. I got set up, and then we hit record. Woohoo! After trying to figure out if we were muted or not. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> All right, what are we cheersing to? Hopefully, no snow this weekend. Okay, let's cheers. Praying to God there is no snow this weekend. Yes, it's in our forecast. God damn! Why do we live here? All right. We are drinking out of our plastic <laughs> fucking patriarchy wine glasses this week, so that's why you couldn't hear a damn thing. The spice is definitely there. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. In a good way, though. Like, this is definitely a winter wine. I felt that in my nose a little bit. It's oh, yeah, not particularly, it. you know, like you it's get that clearing burn out with my whiskey, sinuses. But you know how you get that really strong with whiskey? I it get like, like a, a hint subtle. of that. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, when you, when I picture someone like, Sitting by a roaring fire drinking wine, this would be the wine. This is like a winter wine because of the spice and stuff I taste. It pairs very well with the scent of burnt flesh. <laughs> well, you never know. Hey, this is our spooky month. We get to be... Long pig. Super gross. For those of you that pig. don't know, <laughs> long pig is another term for human, like cooked human. Yes. So. Because it tastes like pig, but really long. It's a little stringy, I would imagine. I would imagine. Actually, I would actually imagine, too, especially if it's like a runner or something. <laughs> Please tell us, what do runners taste like? Do they taste different from couch potatoes? Yeah. Are couch potatoes saltier? They're actually probably tastier because they have more fat. Yeah. I learned the long pig term from uh, whining about her story, which is where no. we are. Or not whining about her story. That's us. <laughs> Who are we? What are we doing? Uh, whining whining crime. crime. Where our glasses came from. Yep. I have any, I've had like two sips of wine. Another <laughs> it was a bad day. 
another fun yet disgusting factoid, uh, accounts of people who have had to eat other human beings to survive, they know which parts have the most nutrition because they taste the best. Yeah. Which is why fat tastes delicious. Your liver. I think that's actually one of the more nutritious parts of your body. Or your kidney. It's one of those. Yeah. One of those red meaty bits that I don't actually know where it is in my body. I do. That's because you're smarter than me. Because I surround (laughs) myself. I also took anatomy. (laughs) With women who are smarter than me so I can learn from them and absorb their power. Take over the world. All right. Well, before we get started with our first story, I have a say their name. Okay. So our say their name is not just a person, but also a product. This is not sponsored, but this is something I stumbled upon and I am fucking loving it. (laughs) So we're all familiar with the board game Guess Who? Where you have all the little people. Oh, yes. This product. Yes. Well, this game is like Guess Who? Except it has a feminist twist. The game is called Who She and is a wooden guessing game featuring strong, mighty women. It's all about their adventures, not their looks. Which is awesome. Mind-blowing. It's made to inspire. So the whole thing is just like Guess Who. You get a little card with a a woman. Well, I think in this case, tile. Because it's wooden. Right. Well, they have a cardboard version and a wooden version. that's cool. The wooden version is like $80, but definitely would be worth it. I still kind of want to buy it. Hey, if anyone wants to know what to get us for Christmas or yeah. the holidays. You can, you can just get us one. One copy and just we'll share. Just one. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it into a drinking game. Anytime yeah. one of us guesses something wrong or gets a tile down, we drink. <laughs> It'll be tons of fun. But basically, you get a little tile that has a uh, woman and tons of information about her life on it. And then the opposite player has has a different tile and you have to guess... You know, oh, yeah, does she, that's really cool. Did she dance with a banana skirt? Did she own a cheetah? Because yes, Josephine fucking Baker is on here. That's cool. There are several women that we've covered on here, like uh, Valentina Tereshkova, Sorwana, who you covered, the Phoenix. So, so of far, Mexico. everyone you've named, I covered. Yep. Just saying. Here's a trend. You know, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman. Yeah, there, there's some lesser known, some more known, that which is kind of cool. But it's a really great opportunity to learn about different women from history that, again, you probably haven't heard of. Well, I could see that being a really inspiring game for, like, young girls. Like, I mean, young boys should play it, too, for sure. But, you know, like, for young girls, because it's not focused on looks. It's, you know, look at all these cool things these women did. Right. We, we, we did ask if there's a question about wearing pants. They said there's not. Yes. <laughs> So uh, the game was created by Zuzia Kozerska Gerard. I hope I'm saying that right. Probably am not. Uh, she founded Player Us, which is like a feminist game. That's cool. Business, and she has helped create this game, researched the women, coming up with the cards. So this is a game for everyone about women made by a woman. So it's awesome. Definitely check it out. The game is called Who's She? And uh, if you just Google it or find it on Facebook. We'll post a link on our blog, too. Uh, you can also find the game at playeress.com. That's P-L-A-Y-E-R-E-S-S dot com. Again, this is not sponsored. No, not at all. We just saw this and freaked out. So, So I don't have another say their name, but I do have a shout out. When we did our episode on Babe Robinson or 
Elizabeth Babe Robinson. Um, afterwards, someone actually tagged her grandchildren who have an Instagram and like a page dedicated to her. And they reached out to us and, you know, we, we've been talking and, you know, they liked our episode and I'm thinking I'll probably do an interview with them or one of them, you know, however many want to participate and, you know, do a follow up because I think that would just be kind of cool. See, I didn't know we'd gotten that far. I knew that they saw that we did an episode and I know you told me that they had listened to it, but yeah, I didn't their, get the follow up. Their response to listening to it was, you guys had me laughing so hard. I love, love, love how you bring up the ridiculousness of commenting on female beauty. And thank you for calling out the USOC. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then they're like, if you want to do a follow-up episode. And I'm like, yes. Yes, please. That warms my heart. So shout out to them. And I think that's really cool that they're also, like, keeping their grandparent grandma's legacy alive. Like, I think that's awesome. They have the best email, too. I don't have it in front of me. But if you remember Betty's origin story was basically she was running after this train and the track coach at her school was like, this chick's never going to catch up. Oh, shit, she's sitting next to me. When did that happen? So their email is like 1911 running after a train at gmail.com or something like that. It's really cool. Like, I feel like they have a good sense of humor, too. Right. So shout out to them. Thank you so much for listening. That, like, warms my heart. I don't know if they're going to listen to another episode, but still. It was nice that they, you know, listened to the one and liked it. All right, so it's my turn to go first this week, where I'll butcher um, Swedish names instead of French names this this week. So. It's good to diversify. Yeah. We're exactly. becoming we're cultured. Just, you know, we're just butchering everything. We're equal opportunity mispronunciators. And don't worry, I, I expect groans by the end of my inappropriate, appropriate wine choice. It's... It's going to get bad. Kelly That's was great. like kind of freaking out about it. And like, I'm like, oh, should, should I, I do, do it? That? And then I'm like, I kind of have. I feel like I have to. So here's the thing. If you are super offended by this wine pairing, blame me. Because I told her, you need to do this. We never pair up our wines with our women. And I kind of actually did. <laughs> and I'm really excited. So, <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. Also, the names, the last names in this, and I know it's a thing because I know like the American Amish used to do it, but the names reminded me of um, Handmaid's Tale because, <laughs> you know, they, her name is, is of Fred because she's of Fred, although I oh. always pronounced her name Offred <laughs> in my head. <laughs> I Offred you a peach. Yeah, basically. Um, but, it, you know, it shows ownership because it's blah, blah, blah. But you'll see what I mean. So the lady I'm covering today is named Malin Matsdaughter. That's why. Literally all the last names are the man and then daughter, but it's spelled D-O-T-T-R, but still. But I know I know like Amish used to do that too, like it's a thing. Okay. It's funny though, because when you said that, I did not hear it as Matt's possessive daughter. I heard it as yeah. Matt's daughter. Like, oh, that that's a yeah, pretty it's last spelled name. Spelled M A T S D O T T E R. So that you'll 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 get it as I continue on. Okay. So what was her father's name? Yeah. Was it Matt? Matt? Yeah. It actually doesn't say. Like, there's very little known about like her young life. It didn't have to. Everything you need to know about her right. is Isn't in her last name. So, um, Malin was they think of Finnish heritage. Like I said, a lot of this is from, like, really old court proceedings. So a lot of it's, like, according to protocol, which that's what they used to call their court documents. So I'm just going to leave that part out. Um, She would also recite a lot of her prayers in Finnish, which is why they 
assume she's finished somewhere, you know, like, because why not? You speak that language. That's what you are, right? You know, good for her because I never finish anything. Uh, Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Um, So she married Eric Nielsen. So the boys are named whatever son and the women are named whatever daughter. So. Oh my God. That's like the only male name you'll That makes so much sense though because we have names like Baker, Mason, all those where it's like this is what you did and now it's like this this is is who you came from. from. Yep. Is he descend, is he the like grandfather of the people who created the Nielsen test or system? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Um, Herstory headcanon. Yep. 100%. So she married Eric Nielsen. Nielsen. It's all in how you pronounce it. Um, who worked within the manufacturing of nails and other metal threads, which is completely not important to the story. And they had two daughter, Anna Eric's daughter and Maria Eric's daughter. God damn, I, I kind of hate this. That's great. Um, in 1668, um, Eric, Mullen's husband, was executed for having intercourse with a cow. No. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yep. What? Okay. Yep. Their okay. eldest daughter, Anna, who was 13 at the time, reported him after the sisters had been brought home after having run away from home because he was beating them. What um, a winner. After, after which the father ordered their mother to beat them again. And during the beating, Anna reportedly said to her father, this is a quote, God knows mother beats and you beats, and I shall no longer remain silent. Such a sin you have committed all the time standing on a chair over our black cow like a rooster over a hen. End quote. <laughs> That's an articulate-ass 13-year-old. Right. Okay. okay. There's so much to unpack there. So he's abusing his children. He's having his wife abuse his children. Having his and wife apparently abuse his children. sexing a cow. Sexing a cow. <laughs> Okay, so he's a real winner. Yes, but he's, he's dead a, now. <laughs> he's an abuser and a cow rapist. Yep. I never thought we would have to talk about cow rapists <laughs> on this show, but I here mean, we at are. At least it's not the person I'm talking about. <laughs> like, it's her it, husband who got executed for it. Is she worse? I mean, because uh, this it is, depends on if what they said she did, she did. Okay. So, you know. It's all in context. Okay, so her husband has been executed for raping a cow, and now she's a single mother working at a nail factory. No, that was him. He worked oh. at a nail factory. I don't well, know she's what she does. Just do it. Yeah. She's just doing her best, trying to have it all, um, trying to get back out into the dating scene. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Uh, Malin did remarry by a name, um, Anders Arnettson great name after her remarriage her daughters left home stating the frequent arguments between her and her new spouse as their reason those poor girls right they're like out of a dickinson novel yeah. like <laughs> they're just no, like fuck this shit not dickinson dickens yeah charles dickens, charles dickens. fuck not emily dickens <laughs> i'm s- well he's son of dick so he's dickens <laughs> son <laughs> nice so, as I already said, very little is n- known about her and what is known. Um, is horrifying. Well, and it came forward during her trial, which we'll get to, um, which uh, still wasn't, like, much about her personally. So, there's not a lot of, like, personal information I can give you on this one. She gave me a dirty look. But her ex-husband is a cow rapist. Right? That we know. <laughs> yes. Um, what does so that say about her? She never has, or at least the court never recorded her having a formal occupation um there are, people had mentioned her being a midwife 
so they're they're not sure if that was like her regular profession or if she just did that on the side. What year is this taking place? Um, well, the husband was executed in 1668. Oh, so we are way back. Yeah, so 1600s. I imagine her just kind of doing whatever stereotypical village women do yeah, where she's well, like giving birth to baby she's, right, she's baking just some doing bread. a little bit of everything that's my she's assumption too hemming some skirts um she she's described as poor in the court documents but in 1676 she owned her own house in maria burgett in stockholm damn girl yeah at this time we know she was hired as a midwife by anna zippel um who was also on trial Later. oh god yeah um but there is no information like i said on if she was a professional midwife or not if you had hands and knew your way around a vagina you could be a midwife right. um in a lot of the court protocol she is referred to uh, by the nickname uh rumpar marlin marlin sorry her name is marlin not marlin she was of the they sea. actually don't know what the word rumpar means like nobody knows what they assume it's similar to the term rumpox which is a a contemporary term used for stupid so they assume people just assume they're calling her stupid but they're not actually 100 percent sure if they're calling her stupid here's the thing i could totally see it (laughs) this is our 30th episode and i think we're pretty wise to like threads that go throughout it's either history. stupid or beautiful <laughs> it's either stupid or she had a great set of tits yeah or she was ugly yeah so a little background so in 1666 so oddly enough the year her husband was executed her first husband that's um, when everything just went to hell for her right a national witch hunt started raging through sweden since there was an accusation of Marit Jean's daughter by Gertrude Sven's daughter in Dalarna, Sweden, which resulted in an establishment of a witch commission around the nation. And in total, they ended up executing about 280 people. Jesus. Which I think is more than Salem. I, it I is. Might, yeah. Salem was only like, uh, it didn't I reach like the hundreds. I think it was like a hundred. I think it was like 12. It was 12. somewhere between 12 and 100. Um, most of these women, actually all of these women, were accused of abducting children to the witch's Sabbath of Satan in Blockula. Not kidding, that's the name. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, did you say Blackula? No, Blockula. Blackula's a thing. It's a movie. I know, that's why I'm like, is that where Blackula came no. from? It's called Blockula, and then it was funny because when I searched for it, it was like, did you mean Blackula? And I'm like, no. <laughs> um, no, I meant something more ridiculous. It's a um, made-up island, basically, that people thought is where satan would come and like manifest for these witches sabbaths apparently it like looked like a giant meadow and like had this house where he would like you know all the witches would go and he would talk to them and you know like bed some of it was i read this whole article on it but i'm like i'm not gonna get into it so satan has a bitch and fuck island basically where all of these women come and he gets super laid. Right. And then he gets to live on an island. I'm imagining, like, there's hammocks everywhere. Right. I also imagine him being a very accommodating host. Like, right? everyone's like, got a hammock. I have like, a description of him, and it was, like, actually, like, kind of funny, because it was, like, he's wearing a brown coat and this fancy hat and, like, all this. Other, and I'm like, wow, he kind of sounds like a 
cool dude. Because Satan's too good for Hawaiian shirts. Right. Um, but everyone has a, a drink in their hand with those little umbrellas. Okay, but remember, this is they were accused of abducting women and bringing them to Satan. Abducting children? Children. Okay. These women were accused of abducting children and bringing them to Satan on Other Blockula. than that, it sounds like um, a good time. And most often the witnesses in these stories were children. Because we know children you know, are the most reliable. Keep that in mind. The Swedish witch frenzy reached its peak with the Torsaker, maybe, witch trials in 1675. And and it reached the, the capital of Stockholm in the same year. So, like, it's going on all over Sweden. This is, like, fever height now, and it's coming to the capital. Okay. Um, the same year as the Gavle, I looked that one up, the Gavle boy, which, which led a witch trial and congregation of the Katarina Church, known as the Katarina Witch Trial, where children and teenagers of the Katarina Parish followed the example of the Gavle boy, who's a young boy from Gavle, because creative naming, Yeah, um, that basically like ac- was like the first person on that area to like ac- start accusing people. So like, and he was like super dramatic about it. So like, all these adults were like, oh, he's obvious, you know, he obviously went to Blockula. He knows all this stuff about witches. He's seen Satan's yeah, Hawaiian so basically, sweaters. basically, like, he was actually, like, you know, like, the person you would go to when you had questions about witches and sorcery and witchcraft. And then suddenly all these other kids kind of started copying him and were like, I was abducted and went to Blockula, too, you know. That guy's getting a lot of attention and he seems really cool. I'm going to oh, pretend yeah. that- I went to Satan Island. It was, it was a thing. We'll, we'll roll back around to him and I'll finish his story too because I read his story, which was a lot shorter. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. okay. Can I just say that anyone who complains about teenagers nowadays being on their phones, just remember <laughs> them being yeah, distracted right. by their phones means they're not accusing you of being right. a fucking witch. Exactly. So like I said, um, other children and teenagers started to follow his example by pointing out women that had brought them to Satan. It's always the women who were like, hey, get off my lawn or don't piss on my pigs or something Something dumb. (laughs) That's going to be a new saying. that's funny. I don't Don't mean to piss piss on on your pigs. pigs. (laughs) By May 1676, the Katarina witch trial had resulted in the execution of the sisters Britta and Anna Zippel. Remember that name? Anna Zippel? That was the person that she she 100% at some point worked as a midwife for. (laughs) Aw, now Um, that baby has no mom because some little... Or thirteen-year-old is a fucker. So sisters, and hey, they don't have a weird last name. They're not a daughter. They're Zippel. That's why they were executed. Yeah, probably. We don't know who you came out of. <laughs> uh, Maria Jean's daughter, Margareta Mass' daughter, and Anna Purse's daughter, Larka. She has a second last name, as well as death in prison by suicide. So all those oh, people God. were executed, and then death in prison by suicide of. Anna Mann's daughter and Karen Johan's daughter. Well, this is tragic. So if you haven't seen where this is going. I want to go back to Satan's sex island, (laughs) if you don't mind. I'll go back to painting a wonderful picture of it. Um, So in July 1676, Malin Matt's daughter was reported for witchcraft by her 19-year-old daughter, (gasps) Maria Eric's daughter. So that's the younger of her two daughters. But I'm not surprised. No, not really. Her children seem to be a little fucked up. They've got Um, a bone to pick. 
Especially since the daughter goes on to call, also call her room par, par, which we still don't know what the meaning of that is, but it's probably like idiot. It's probably not flattering. So Maria's report stated, quote, or it says her report stated, but I assume this was like her confession. But it says, quote, the true daughter of Rumpar Marlin, Maria Eric's daughter, age 19, were called upon. This is a quote, so this is not my shitty grammar. Uh, were called upon and confessed that she had the same night been abducted by Anna, wife of Staffan, who sells beer at Delaro, to whom she she had been lost at games by her mother. It's a thing, apparently. She beat her at bridge and was pissed. Last Easter evening, her mother allegedly said to her, My daughter, do you wish to follow me and we will make people out of you? Thereafter, what? she began to take her every night to Blockula, the second time upon a man. Conf- confessed aside that her mother had always had bad language, cursed and used ugly words, particularly on great holy days. No, but the losing your children at games is like a thing because it gets brought up again by somebody else that lost their children at games. I'm like... What is this? It sounds like either you bet your children in a card game and lost, or they beat you at Monopoly. Right. And One of the two. Yeah. You never know. Or vice versa. Yeah, I don't know who's beating who. Yeah, her mom. She says that her mom asked, asked her. So, you know, it wasn't like a true abduction. Because consent's important. Right. I don't know. I, I'm i assuming when they say the sec- the second night upon a man i'm assuming that they mean like she they made her have have sex is what i assume that means that's what that sounds like but you know weird 1600 wording i'm sure there's some that's lost in translation oh i'm sure because yeah i assume the originals of this would be all in you know 1600 swedish or finnish swedish Swedish. she's finnish but this is happening in sweden scandahoovian scandahoovian that's what we call it. We should Probably know better. Probably really offensive. We should know better being from Minnesota. Right, where like most of us are some type of Scandinavian. And our battle cry is skull, which is a Scandinavian yeah. term. <laughs> Someone once asked me if Scandinavia was a country and I was like, Yes. No, no it's not. <laughs> no, that's when you lie to people. <laughs> I was dating this person and I was like, it's, it's not my husband and it was someone else. And I was just like, oh God, what? why? Why am I dating you if you're like 32 years old and you don't know Scandinavia is not a country? Oh my God. It was it was bad. And Anyways. that was the most awkward breakup ever. <laughs> uh, you don't know Scandinavia is not a country. We can't date anymore. Um, so Malin was questioned and cautioned to tell the truth. She was thoroughly questioned regarding her religious instruction. When asked to recite the creed, she answered that she could not bother to read and barely knew the Lord's Prayer. Her language difficulties attracted attention when she had difficulty reading the prayers the court instructed her to. She did not know them herself by heart and even had trouble repeating them when they were read to her. The court noted that she hesitated in a suspicious way when she had to repeat the prayers word by word. You know what this sounds like? One... She's illiterate. Yeah. So they're targeting someone who's uneducated, poor. Right. Two, she's fucking stressed. Well, and the other thing is if she's naturally Finnish, trying to, you know, first having to translate in your head and then trying to repeat that. Or repeat what they're saying in a different language. Yeah, exactly. Even. That's like if someone spoke one sentence to me in French, I would just go back Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? That's what, like, I, it would be like, no just sense. kidding, I don't want to sleep with you. Yeah. <laughs> but 
all of we can see this in 2020 she's just you know she doesn't know the language and she's nervous it does say though the fact that she had trouble reading was in fact uncommon in 17th century sweden actually stockholm not sweden since the swedish church ordinance in 1571 required every citizen regardless of class and sex so required them by law to be able to read so that they could read the bible so Sweden was actually super literate because the church was like, no, you need to fucking read this. Yeah, but still. But I'm just saying that's why they were suspicious of her. It's still bullshit. But Well, I remember uh, growing up going to a Catholic school. There were a bunch of prayers we had to memorize. And it was so stressful because you had like had the prayers. And what I would do is I would sit at my desk after practicing them for days and then like read it over, immediately go to my teacher's desk because we could have her test us whenever we wanted, spit it back out. But I was still like, "Uh, uh, uh, yeah, you're (laughs) terrified. Yeah. I can't even imagine being in front of a group of people and they're like, okay, repeat after me. Or we will kill you. (laughs) You know, like, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, by the way, if you don't, you're dead. Right. No um, presh. No presh. So they they thought it was weird that she couldn't read. However, the fact that she seemed to prefer Finnish was not considered strange, as the capital had a great Finnish minority from the nearby province. Who yeah. Had, who even had their own, like, church congregation. So, like, I'm like, could she just do it in Finnish? Like, could you bring, like, the chaplain from the Finnish church over and just, you know, have him verify that she's saying it correctly? No, his schedule is a mess. Like I said, how, however, what was regarded as suspicious for a person accused of consorting with the devil was the fact that she had difficulty to read and pronounce words from the Holy Scripture. You know, that's, you're obviously part of the devil because you can't read God's word. Seems legit. You know, even I have a hard time reading the Bible in English sometimes. Like, it's an, it's a unique sentence structure. Right. So during during the court proceedings, her daughter Maria the one that testified against her, um, said that she not only took her, her but also took se- several children to, to Blockula and Satan. A and brood. that Satan himself, quote, the mean one, appeared in court, long, black, and with horns, standing by her mother, holding her skirt and whispering in her ear, never to confess. That's that, kind of hot. Right. <laughs> He's got this long, right. silky black hair. He whispers right, in your ear. Holding her skirt. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Um, Malin at that time was ordered by the court to fall on her knees and pray to be able to confess. And after having obeyed, her daughter stated that she could no longer see the devil. So prayer, it works. Just pray it away. No, that, that doesn't help. So as the court, courts proceeded, ten year, a 10 year old boy, Mathis Wallendorf and a seven year old girl, Margareta Jorhan's daughter, both testified to also have been abducted by Malin to Blockula, and they supported Maria's words that Satan appeared behind Malin and cautioned her not to confess. The married woman, Gertrude Matt's daughter, testified that Malin had abducted her children to, to Satan 16 times before losing them in a game to another woman accused of sorcery. See, I told you that the whole losing your children in a game thing would come back. Is this just the most bitching bridge tournament right? ever? Like everyone, like We're scores are being children. settled. Right. There um, was a woman who murdered her husband over a bridge game. Right. So that's the thing. So she said that Malin abducted her children 16 times and then she lost them in a game to another woman. But then that Malin continued to abduct them 14 times while she was in prison. Okay. 
at what point does the responsibility fall on the parent of the children who are being abduct- abducted right. umpteen times? Um, the, well, it's night. The parents Get are sleeping. Get a know, fucking like, know, right? baby gate. <laughs> Put some sage so on it. <laughs> the, the children testified that they had been beaten by Malin to prevent them from testifying. And Gertrude testified that she had seen her children endure fits while being supernaturally beaten by Malin from prison. So, like, the last 14 times, they're saying she still abducted them while they were in prison. Because to get to Satan's sex island, you had to fly. Oh, I forgot of to mention course. This. And Gertrude, the mother, testified that she would rather see them die than suffer and that she would kill Malin herself if she was not executed. Yeah. I'm not losing another hand of bridge to that bitch. Right. So Gertrude's daughter, Annika, asked Malin if she had not played with Tisk Annika, which is a different Annika. Oh, my God. Tisk Annika stands for German Annika, so we know what that word means. <laughs> um, and that was the other... She was, Tisk Anna was also convicted of sorcery. Witchcraft. Um, but so the non-witch Annika asked Malin if she had not played with the German Annika about who was going to light fire to the palace of Count Purr, but Malin refused to confirm this. Malin's older daughter, Anna, supported her sister's testimony that their mother took them to Satan, but when she stated that she herself had started to abduct children there herself, she was also placed under arrest. Oh my god. The court did ask Maria if she was trying to have her mother executed in order to inherit her house, but Maria denied this. Well, yeah. Malin's husband is not mentioned during much during the trial and was never called to testify. This was... Before he was executed? This is the second husband. Remember, she got remarried. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Malin was asked by the court to fall upon her knees and repeat a prayer read to her, but she did not succeed before her 11th attempt, which was given great importance by the court. She um, Also, the fact that she had been hired as a midwife for Anna Zippel, who had previously been executed for witchcraft, as I stated. So as they were asking her, Malin stated... That if she had ever taken anyone to Blockula, which she denied, then in that case, she would have learned it there. Wait, what? I think she was saying if she had taken anyone to Blockula, she would have learned it from Anna. I think that's what she's saying. Oh, okay. But it's kind of unclear. Well, she Anna's already dead, so. It's, it's, my guess is it's either that or, or she's saying they would have taught me, you know, the prayer, the prayer so I could get by with it. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah, no, because Satan's, Satan's powers are limited to uh, sexing a bunch of ladies. Right. He can't help you memorize no, a fucking prayer. The court was convinced of her guilt by the testimony of her own daughters, combined with her lack of religious knowledge and difficulty to read prayers. She commented on the testimony of her daughters with the words, quote, my God, let them go there to Blockula forever, end quote. Yeah. Like she's pissed. <laughs> and stated pissed that too. she did not mind dying when her daughters testified against her. So she's basically like, fine, if, I do, if my family's going to, you know, fuck me over, why not die? She's just rage quitting life. Right? Her daughters were questioned again and stood by their testimonies as Malin stood by her denial. Such firm denial was often regarded as a sign that the devil assisted the witch to withstand interrogations. She accused her daughters of bad lifestyles, and when the court asked her to specify, she answered with such language that her answer was in fact never written down by the court because they were, quote, too offense to decent ears, end quote. Can I just say, the more you're talking about this woman, the more I'm identifying with her. I'm like, your daughters are fucking assholes. So she can't recite prayers. She's super pissed. She's like, fine, kill me. I don't fucking care. And then 
she swears so much right. that they can't even right. write it down. That's funny. I know. I was like, hmm, that sounds like this me. is why I'm not having children because they will accuse <laughs> they me will of being accuse a witch. You of witchcraft. I'll be a wine witch. All right. On the 16th of July, 1676, Malin Matt's daughter was judged guilty as charged by a unanimous court on the testimonies of her daughters and sentenced to be executed. At this time, there were several methods of execution. Oh, there's a fun variety. Um, which was subject to debate within the Royal Witchcraft Commission, because remember, that was a thing at the time. Good God. Um, who had to decide between the three alternatives. The first one was execution by decapitation followed by public burning of the corpse. Okay. The second one is that you get tortured, and then you get decapitated, and then your body gets burned. Okay, so three-step. Um, and the third one is just you get burned alive. Oh, like, wow. Extreme. The last alternative, the alternative to be burned alive, was given the majority vote. Ew. Um, the clerical commissioner, Corn... Cor- I thought it was Cornelius, but it's like Carolinus. Carolinus. <laughs> God damn these people. <laughs> stated that in his vote that the honor of God should be regarded before the personal pain of Malin and that she should be given a taste of what was awaiting her in hell after seducing so many souls to Satan. Commissioners Ivar and Norius motivated their vote by deterring effects such a method would have upon the public and her accomplices. And Commissioner Dr. Uben Hajarn. So the first three commissioners are like, nah, we should do this. Like, for one reason. The one guy was like, yeah, because she should get a taste of hell. The other two are like, because it'll make her accomplices come forward. And the last guy is like, (laughs) hey, that chick who I'm friends with just got burned alive. I should also put myself in the center ring. No! What the? So this last guy suggested um, that she be tortured with hot iron prior to execution, which would make her unconscious and unable to feel pain because her death would otherwise be too cruel. Uh, But that suggestion was revoked uh, with the view, as I already said, that um, the honor of God was more important than her pain. I love that the most merciful person in that group was like, well, we need to torture her so she she feels less pain. Um, She did get a bag of gunpowder secured around her neck to make her death quicker. What? So she just explode? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Ew! I have no idea. Actually, they don't talk about it. There were special ponchos for people in the splash zone. (laughs) Um, Because she refused to admit guilt, that actually made her uh, guiltier in the court's eyes. Um, (laughs) One suggestion was that if in place of execution... Actually, it shouldn't say in place of execution. That at... Oh, it doesn't. It says that at the place of execution, she would be given one last chance to confess. And if she did confess, she could be decapitated before being burned. Super fun. Choices are great. Yay. So here's the part I found interesting. Because, you know, you always hear, oh, burning at the stake is like the common method for witches. But um, this method of execution, at least in Sweden, makes Malin very unique. She was the only person... Of the almost 300 people executed during the Great Swedish Wish Hunt of 1868 to 1670, 1668 to 1676. Jesus. It's the the devil's making you not be able to read numbers. Um, Burn her. Yeah. She was the only one to be burned alive instead of being decapitated and then burning their corpse. Out of like 300 people. Ish. Holy crap. I think slightly less than 300. Like I said... That was the normal execution, is that they decapitate him and then burn the body, not burn the person. Right. Um, 
though several crimes um, allowed them to do public burnings as a method of execution, like they would state executed and burned, which meant that they were decapitated or hung and then burned. Right. So like anyone that had the burning as an option, it was like, no, you know, you kill them and then burn them. Step one, execute. Step two, burn. Yeah, exactly. The method of burning someone still... Uh, still alive is only known to have been used in this country a very few times before, and the verdict was therefore very controversial. Um, Malin was the last person to be executed by burning in the capital of Stockholm, and the second le- to last to be executed by burning in Sweden in general. What I looked up the other one, and it was it was it was fucked up. Like the other one was, uh, I think another like sorcerer, but like somewhere like far northern Sweden. Or what something. a horrible way to be notable in history. Yeah. Um. Because of this, she has sometimes been regarded as the only one in Sweden to be executed by burning for sorcery altogether. How, um, however, three hundred other women right. would disagree. However, they were likely at least some cases in the early 17th century where this method may have been used. Like most of the women were decapitated and then burned, but they're like there were probably a few that were just burned. Out of three hundred, some people, right. yeah. Um, the method of execution by burning had been debated by the by the commission in Stockholm previously to the Katarina witch trials and actually given to an earlier condemned person named Anna Larka for her remus- for refusal to admit guilt. So same thing Malin was doing. However, she finally did admit guilt. And so they decapitated her and then burned her. I mean, I honestly can't say I wouldn't have done the same. Right. Like, um, I'm dying in, either way. In this case, um, Malin did not. She stood firm by her denial, and the sentence was carried out. Um, so this, the execution was performed in the square of Hotogrit in Stockholm, the 5th of August, 1676. Malin was to be executed along Anna, Simon's daughter, Hack, also known as Tisk Annika. German Annika! Uh who had also been accused and sentenced to death how, by testimony of her own children. So this person was also. However, she was executed the normal way of decapitation and then burning. So really, she was just getting burned with a corpse. Yeah. The contrast between the behavior of the two have been noted. Um, Annika was described as full of humility and respect and behaved as she was expected. Um, and though she did not je- directly say that she was guilty, she behaved as was expected of a guilty party. And quote... By her remorse, by her psalms, and falling on her knees and lifting her heads and hands to the sky, confirmed the justice in the verdict and the justice in the world, end quote. But she still died. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like... (laughs) According to contemporary witnesses, however, Malin behaved with great dignity and courage during her execution. When asked to take the hand of her daughter to make peace with before death, she refused. She, quote, did not seem to fear death much, courageously mounting the stake, end quote. And even the official execution protocol noted that she was very tough. Damn. She spoke calmly with the executioner, quote, allowing him to fasten her with iron by her hands and feet, end quote. And the bag of gunpowder was placed around her neck to hasten her death. She talked back to the priests with her head held high when they pleaded with her to acknowledge her sin, maintaining her innocence. When her daughter cried out and appealed to her to admit her crimes, Malin delivered her daughter in, in the hand into the hands of the devil and cursed her for eternity. I was hoping it was going to say delivered her a swift smack in the well, ass point, or the face. You know, she's tied up to a stake. Ugh. The daughter in question would have been Maria as 
Anna was a was herself arrested at the time. Oh, well, no, because remember, Anna was like, oh, yeah, I started bringing children to Blockula. So she's under she's under arrest at the time. The execution in itself was described, quote, but though all of this was both horrifying and pathetic to look upon, those who suffered death did not shed one tear, but stood by their standpoint of innocence with an unnatural courage, end quote. So like they're saying she didn't even cry. Jeez. Um, tradition claims that Malin did not scream but died in silence in accordance with the contemporary view that witches felt no pain. So that they're saying that may have been exaggerated. I would imagine it would. But maybe not. Maybe she's just like, no, fuck you. I'm not giving you the satisfaction. I mean, I love her. Okay. Aftermath. Because obviously something had to happen because they stopped burning people. Well, they didn't burn it. Well, they burned one more person. <laughs> The execution of Malin did, in fact, signify the end of the Katarina witch trial in Stockholm and the end of the national witch hunt in Sweden as well. Some of the judges in the commission, notably Urban Hajarn, which is the one that was like, mm, maybe we should torture her first so she doesn't feel the pain. Yep. We could be less dicks right? about this. And Eric Noreas began to express skepticism toward the child witnesses and instigated different interrogation techniques against them by asking them to repeat their testimonies rather than affirm the, the testimonies they already gave. So basically, what was happening originally was the child would testify and someone would write it down, and then in court, they would basically just be like, this is what you said happened. Is this what happened? And the kid would just be like, yeah, yeah that's what happened. So they, they started to change this. This was brought about particularly because child witnesses had started to accuse people from the upper classes. Oh, snap. They're going after the big wigs. Right. They accused Capt- uh, the captain's wife, Margareta Stoffen's daughter, Remmer, and Maria Sofia de la, la Gardi, which resulted uh, actually in the breakdown of one witness, Annika Tom's daughter, in court on the 11th of September, 1676, which snowballed into other witnesses to retract their testimony. So basically what happened to Annika was... I can't remember if it was Sophie, Maria or Mar- Margareta that she was testifying against, but basically the, the woman was like, you know, get your story out because this is my, this is my life or death. And the kid, like, kid, like, broke down and was like, no, you know, I'm, I don't know if she said I'm lying, but. I was just mad because you wouldn't let me have ice cream. Right. So, so all, a lot of these other witnesses blamed their testimony on the Godlay boy. Okay, it's all coming. It's coming back. The walls are crumbling around um, him. Elizabeth Carl's daughter and and the Mira maids. Who, um, Elizabeth Carl's daughter and the Mira maids? Because at some point the Gavle boy said that Satan had like made him a sorcerer, so he was like under arrest for part of the trials. <laughs> and these three these three young women basically took up his stance. Okay, and basically, yeah, the thing I read about the Gavle boy was that, yeah, he just basically did it for attention. And in the end, he was executed for uh, perjury. Ah! Um, like, I, I feel bad because he's I a think kid. All, I think all but... four of them. He was 13 when he was executed for oh, perjury. Oh, well, he's fucking old enough. <laughs> um, I think all four of those, because they were like the main people, were executed for perjury. I mean, they did kill a bunch of people. Right. Um, so 17 child and teenage witnesses admitted to perjury. This efficiently discontinued the Katarina witch trials. The remained accused, Margareta, um, Karina, Amborg's daughter, and Margareta Matz, so two Margaretas, were freed and the courts instead persecuted the witnesses for perjury, leading to both executions and physical punishments. Boom. Yeah. 
I love that how the second this stopped just victimizing a bunch of vulnerable lower class women, it was like, right? whoa, it was whoa, like whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe witches right. aren't real. Yeah. So <laughs> Malin was executed in August, beginning of August. And the Gavle boy and the the three girls that helped him were executed on December 20th of the same year. So, I mean, they kind of wrapped it up real quick. Yeah. The daughter of uh, Mrs. Zipple, so the one that Malin helped uh, deliver. Yep. Were sentenced to be whipped. 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 Why can't I say whipped? Whipped. <laughs> whipped. Whipped. Cool whip. Um, oh, the daughter of Britta Zippel, Annika Zippel, was sentenced to be whipped and died during her punishment. Damn. Um, the older da- daughter, eldest daughter of Ma Lin, Anna, was herself under arrest, as I said, for stating in her testimony that she had begun to follow her example. Um, I love if you're trying to throw your mom under the bus for being a witch. Your next move is to say you are also a witch. Right. Um, It actually doesn't say what happened to her. It just says, in prison, she reported that she heard her mother call for her in her dreams, pinch her and ask her to come as soon as possible because she had accused her of witchcraft. Her mom's pissed off ghost is haunting her and being like, bitch, I will wreck you. Oh, no. She got whipped. (laughs) because <laughs> it says Anna as the other remaining accused was freed freed of her charge of witchcraft what do I want to say with I'm apparently on a with <laughs> mood right now but was sentenced to be whipped for perjury during the whipping the crowd attacked the guards performing the whipping by throwing stones not really sure why uh, Malin's youngest daughter Maria was given an official warning to make her amends for her <laughs> sin of perjury like all these other people are like yeah you get whipped you get whipped you get dead this is a warning. Go to the corner, think about what you've done, and then go have a happy, fulfilling right. life. Unlike a thousand other people. Yeah. So like I said, she was the last person to be executed for witchcraft in Stockholm and the last person to be executed by burning in Stockholm and the second last to be executed by burning in Sweden. The last person to be burned was Lars Nielsen, who is a shaman, and he was burned in 1693. He was the one dude you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, okay. like, I'm pretty sure someone, but see, but see it's not witchcraft. It's shamanism. It's different. Men are so special. Um, in 1677, so I think that's a year later. Yeah. A year later. Or, you know, at some point, a few months later at least, um, all the priests of the country were ordered to proclaim in their churches that the witches had now been expelled from the country forever in order to avoid further witch trials. Oh, my God. This ended the Great Swedish Witch Hunt. Though there were accusations after this, few people were executed for sorcery after the year of 1676. They were all really burnt out on the witchiness. Right. Um, <sighs> the last execution for witchcraft in Sweden took place in 1704 when Anna Eric's daughter. I okay, so that is the name of one of Malin's children, but I literally could not find if that's her daughter, but I'm gonna say it wasn't because they I feel like they would have specified. Yeah. But I'm still like, was it or there were, wasn't it? There were a lot of dudes named Eric <laughs> having daughters named, named Anna. 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 Yeah. Probably either one. I mean um Frozen so she, was a really big deal. Yeah. Everyone's naming their kids Elsa and Anna now. <laughs> you know, they're not traditional Scandahoovian names at all. Yes, they are, actually. <laughs> so Anna Eric's daughter was decapitated, and she was the last person to be executed for sorcery in Sweden. Wow. Yeah. I definitely thought you were going to say, like, 1952, 
Like, do you ever do you ever hear those crazy statistics where, where it's like yeah. the last person executed for being insane. a witch yeah. in the United States was executed in 1991? What? Yeah. Um. So her legacy, she doesn't have like a patent, like obviously. Yeah, she just she, died in a badass, horrible way. She is the role model for the novel. They didn't give me an English translation for this. So Javulin's Marquet by Magnus Norden, which is like the best name. Because it's um, easy to pronounce. And she is a central figure in the children's book series, Jacques Ten Pas Jacques by Martin Alzac. Alzac. O-L-Z-A-C-H. Or no, O-L-C-Z-A-K. I just spelled that completely wrong. <laughs> we can't even spell <laughs> so these much names wine. right. Um, oh my God. So yeah, that is my Swedish person burned at the stake. Well, that was fucking tragic. Yeah, it was kind of weird, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, wait, what did they say happened? So, unfortunately, this is not going to get any better. Because we synced up with our misery this week. And my appropriate, inappropriate wine. Yes. Yes. Okay, so. I'm excited. This week, I am covering Belle Guinness. Have you ever heard of her? I see the thing is I'm like did I hear of her when you told me you were covering her or do I actually know who she is I don't know okay here's the funny thing your person was Finnish yep. in Sweden my person is from Norway yes but we covered all three they're in Norway for a very short period of this story <laughs> so it's okay technically no one was ever in Finland in my story <laughs> it was still in play yeah okay so Bill Denmark <laughs> the forgotten Scandinavian country. Quick, make a Hamlet reference. Uh, to read or not to read? That is the question. Done. All right, cool. Okay. Belle came from humble beginnings. Born in November of 1859 as Brynhild Paul's daughter, Storset. Ah, you have it too! <laughs> I didn't realize that's what it meant. So her dad was Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Belle grew up in the small, poor village of Selbu in Norway. She was the youngest of eight, and her father, assumedly Paul, worked as a stoneman. Ooh. So he just got stoned all day long. That sounds fun. No, stone mason. Yeah. Yeah. So my guy, you know, made metal nails and shit. Your guy did stone shit. The jury the is still out on if he fucked any farm animals. Okay. Not we'll important, We'll get back though. to that. <laughs> so there's not a lot of information regarding Belle's early life, but there is a story that seems to persist. So this hmm. is kind of like... Herstory legend. Ooh, I like Herstory legend. In 1877, when Belle was around 18 years old, she found herself pregnant. It can happen to anyone. Magic. She was a vibrant, sexual young lady, and that is fine. It is fine. I mean, maybe not back then, but in general, it's fine. She attended a local country dance where she was attacked by a man and kicked in the abdomen, causing a miscarriage. That's not fine. No, that's not fine at all. The man who attacked her was from a wealthy family, so naturally, he faced no consequences. Well, and I'm wondering if maybe Woo. it was his baby and it was intentional. I, I think I heard other stories about Belle where it was his baby yeah. and she was like, hey, you got me pregnant, man up. And he's, he's like, like, no. Fuck you, abdomen kick. <laughs> Friends noticed that Belle's personality changed dramatically Aww. after this traumatic, horrible event. However, karma would come for the man as he died shortly after the attack of stomach cancer. Oh, no. However, 
In retrospect, there may have been more tangible and dangerous forces at work. <gasps> Belle took a job on a farm for three years to save money for a trip to America. Yay! Belle did well working on the farm, standing at five feet and eight inches tall and weighing between 180 and 200 pounds. Belle was a strong, imposing wall of a woman. Yeah. In 1881, Belle sailed across the Atlantic and began going by her more Americanized name, Belle. So she's born as Brynhild, and now she's like, Belle. We're shortening this. I know Kelly and Emily aren't going to be able to pronounce my fucking name. <laughs> We're so changing it to something be real simple. Finding work as a servant, Belle eventually found her way to Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> Where she married Mads Dietliv Anton Sorensen in 1884. Wow, that's a name. He's got a bitch a name. Right. I just want to be named Mads. Right. Hey, Mads, Mads, how are you feeling? One guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I should start calling my niece that. Oh, my God. You should. I'm okay. going to. Moving on. What's yeah, up, right. Mads? Hey, Mads? Two years later, the cuppy. Cuppy. Two years later, the couple fulfilled my dream of opening a candy shop. I don't know. I like Cuppy better. The two had four children, Carolyn, Axel, Myrtle, and Lucy. Carolyn and Axel didn't survive infancy, allegedly dying of acute colitis, which like... I have a form of colitis. And I can't like... It's kind of a form of Crohn's. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't get enough nutrition. This caused severe fevers, nausea, diarrhea, and lower abdominal pain. So they were basically just miseried to death. Yeah. They, yeah, they probably didn't get enough nutrition if everything was just passing through them. It wasn't uncommon for children to die in infancy at the time, but it's worth noting that many of the symptoms of acute colitis are the same as different kinds of poisoning. Also worth noting is that both children had hefty life insurance policies taken out, so each of their deaths resulted in a nice payday. Wow. Total coincidence, though. Of course. This must have helped because their candy shop wasn't doing well. Lucky for Belle, the heavily insured shop mysteriously burned down, resulting in another windfall. Their insured house also burnt down. Wow, this woman just has a terrible life. What an incredible coincidence. Right? She is State Farm's favorite client. She no, is she's always insurance's on the- like worst client. She is she is like, Jake from God, State Farm. Like, God damn it, we have to pay you again, woman? At some point between this time and 1900, Bell and Mads adopted a 10-year-old girl named Jenny Olson. So they now have 3 children. I think so. Because they had four, two died, and now they died. Plus one. Don't make me do children math. (laughs) I can't do regular math. They're not accusing people of witchcraft. (laughs) Goddamn. So, oh, actually, I'm really smart. My next sentence is an inventory of the family. There you go. (laughs) So we have Belle, her husband, Mads, uh, their surviving children, Myrtle, Lucy, and their adoptive daughter, Jenny. So we have three girls. Okay. The family became a bit smaller when Mads died on July 30th, 1900. In another stunning coincidence, he died on the day in which two life insurance policies, which Belle had taken out on him, overlapped. So literally. (laughs) That would be one of those things today we call motive. 
We also call soup suspicious. Yeah, right? Like today people would be like, yeah, no, you definitely murdered your husband. Yeah. So literally, as one was about to expire and one, one had just started, in. there was one day where they overlapped. Yeah. Today, just, today people would be like, mm, no, you killed your wife. They'd be husband. like, really? Really? Like, are, are you, you that, that stupid? <laughs> but like at this time, insurance policies oh, exactly. weren't very common. And if, if they were between two different companies, those companies probably didn't, like nobody would have noticed, I bet. Right. And that's one of the reasons H.H. Holmes was so successful because he's taking out insurance policies on uh, all, all these, these people in and all buildings. These places. And people are just happy to have his business. Exactly. And that's probably what this was, too. Yep. And they were like, God damn it, you're costing me money, woman. So the very next day, Belle applied for the payout. Nothing helps you cope with grief like a buttload of money. Obviously. You need it for the children. Yep. I mean, who's going to feed them? That's why you adopted Jenny, because you knew this payout was coming. (laughs) Mads had been struggling with illness, and Belle had been treating him with quinine powder. Hmm. Was it, though? A doctor who had visited Mad said he was suffering from strychnine poisoning. So a doctor is literally like, bro, you're being poisoned. However, the family doctor had been treating Mads for an enlarged heart. So he basically ignored the first doctor's conclusion. And was like, no, he died because of his heart condition. Exactly. Here's the thing, though. Like, if a, if a doctor came to me and like, dude, you're being poisoned, I would be like, oh, shit. Right? Like, <laughs> let's let's fix this. Yeah. Mads's family didn't buy it. They demanded that there be an investigation and that his body be exhumed because they are smart people. But there's no record as to whether or not this even happened. If it did, not much came of it because we have no record. And she right. gets to keep doing her you, creepy you, thing. You'd feel like if something happened, there would be a note somewhere. I wish that was the end of the story. Because the death was not seen as suspicious, despite someone straight up saying the guy was being poisoned and, and so, his besides, family, yeah, the being, family being like, no, this is super suspicious. Because of this, there was no autopsy and Bell collected on both policies, which came out to be $8,500, which would be over 200000 in today's money. <laughs> That's ridiculous. She used the money to buy a farm on the outer en- edges of Laporte, Indiana, Aww. where she moved with her three remaining children. I don't like how you say that. This is going to be one of those things. Two remaining children. One <laughs> And remaining then children. there were none. <laughs> and then it's just her. <laughs> the farm consisted of a house, acres of land, and a boat and carriage house. Curiously, the boat and carriage houses burned down shortly after Belle moved in. I wonder if they were insured. Who knows? (laughs) Probably. There's no pattern of behavior here at all. While preparing for the move out to the farm in 1901, Belle met and married widower and farmer Peter Ganesse. So that's where she gets her final last name. And Peter was from Indiana and had two daughters of his own. Okay, so they're up to five children. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, child math. I... I forgot. I keep putting like family inventories oh, good. in good. here. So no, my next good. sentence starts with the family of seven again began to dwindle. It started with Peter's infant daughter. She oh. died. Yeah, this is I sad. I hate when people like, I was going to say fuck with infants. I mean, that's terrible too. But like really anything, doing anything that is not just caring for an infant makes you a terrible human being. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. That's why these people get killed in prison. That makes you a witch. All right. <laughs> she died while alone in the house with Belle. Uh, it's unknown what caused the infant's death. But again, the death of an infant was not uncommon. So I can imagine no one was asking questions. Right, they were all like, oh, that's sad. But it happens. Oh, man. Too bad. Yeah. I have eight dead infants in my family. So man. like no one cares. Yeah, exactly. It's not suspicious. But then Peter met his end under bizarre circumstances. So Belle had two stories about how Peter died. Story number one, she said he was reaching for his slippers, which were next to the kitchen stove. He knocked over a pot of brine, which was boiling on the stove, which scalded him and he died. So many things wrong with that story. No one keeps their slippers by the stove. How do you die from brine boiling like it would burn the hell out of you yeah but you'd probably make it to some yeah, kind of like, hospital like i guess yeah like because i'm like the only way i would see you dying is like the burns getting infected and you're getting sepsis and dying which yeah. would take a while story number two bell claimed that a meat grinder fell from a high shelf hitting peter in the head and killing him those are two completely different stories like the bodies would look completely different is his is his head smushed or is his face burned off that's literally my next sentence the thing that strikes me is that these two scenarios would cause very different injuries <laughs> no one is asking questions in bumfuck indiana in the 1900s no one cares no one cares. You just think one person, I suppose she probably just used whatever story fitted whoever she was telling at the time. Yeah. This this chick looks like she'd be really captivated by a brine burning story. I'm going to give her that one. Right. At this point, no one should be surprised that Peter's life was insured, allowing Belle to collect $3,000, which is over 85000 in today's money. If I mysteriously disappeared, blame Emily. I don't have a good life insurance policy, so you shouldn't kill me. I was going to say, I don't either. We are... Someone in my household does. We are poor podcasters and worth nothing. (laughs) However... You could help us. No, I'm kidding. in In a little slight turn of good news, Peter's death rose suspicions from locals. Yay. Some people were asking questions in bumfuck Indiana. I'm sorry for calling you guys out. Peter was an experienced farmer and butcher, and the idea that he would have been so clumsy combined with the inconsistencies in Belle's story didn't sit right with most. I right, they were why. like, hmm. Can we hmm. see the body? <laughs> right. I already just... buried him in the backyard. Don't worry about it. Which part of the backyard? I don't know. I have acres and acres. Yeah. He's out there somewhere. He's like a f- in the far corner. I didn't really want to think about it. The coroner determined that Peter had, in fact, been murdered and asked the coroner's jury to investigate further. So a coroner's jury is just a whole bunch of coroners who talk about how someone died. Right. They're like, hey, I need you to help me prove that it was murder. Can you look at the body and tell me that your find your findings conclude with my findings kind of right. thing? Oh, did I mention that Belle's adopted daughter, Jenny, straight up said that Belle had killed Peter? No, you didn't. The well, four- now you did. Now I did. The 14-year-old told her classmate, quote, my mama killed my papa. She hit him with the meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell a soul. She is Southern. I'm making a choice. I mean, Indiana's South-ish, isn't it? <laughs> it's the far South. It is, <laughs> it is the deep, deep South. It is far South of the Mason-Dixon line. When Jenny was brought before the coroner's jury, she denied having said anything. Oh, of course. Because she's like, mom's going to kill me. Yeah. Then Jenny stopped showing up to school. 
Belle told people she had gone to a Lutheran school in Los Angeles or to a ladies fishing school somewhere else. Dear God, woman, just pick a story and stick with it. It was so easy to murder people in olden times. It was the easiest thing in the world. Well, see, that's the thing. I'm like, well, and saying your daughter went off somewhere, like, just pick somewhere. Yeah. Just pick nobody. There weren't cell phones. No one was going to poke her on Facebook to right? see how she was doing. Belle convinced the coroner that she had nothing to do with Peter's death. Don't know how. Boobs. And the whole thing just kind of blew over. Boobs. Though, maybe. Actually, maybe. Boobs. Boobs. Boobs are the answer for everything. Peter's brother took uh, Peter's surviving daughter to Wisconsin, effectively saving her life. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good on you, Peter's brother. (laughs) That's all you're getting, though. Then, Belle gave birth to a son. Jesus fucking Christ. Presumably Peter's, named Philip. Although maybe it was the coroner. Yeah. Who knows? You brought that up. I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm just making my own headcanon. So there is a picture of Belle with Lucy, Myrtle, and Philip, and the kids are in these little white dresses and so sweet and innocent, and Belle is sitting there with her kids like, it's the most obnoxious thing in the world. She's got this horrible stone-cold face, and she looks like she's itching to tell someone oh, to get off like, her lawn. That's just, like, literally giving me goosebumps. It's dis- it's Like, I can't even know. see the picture, but your, like, description just makes me go, Ugh. Because the kids are all just kind of have They're dumb kids. kid looks on their faces. They're like, where are we? What's going on? And she just looks fucking pissed. And I know everyone in old photographs looks pissed. But I'm reading like into exceptionally, it because like the she's de- a the murderer. dead eyes. Yeah. yeah say, if you haven't figured it out by now, she's yeah. a murderer. I know I haven't like come out and outright said that she's killing these people, but she is. So fuck her. And, and I there's hate no her. Mu- there's no such thing as that much coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Belle and her three remaining children continue to live and work on the farm. They were later joined by a man by the name of Ray Lamphier when Belle hired him on as a farmhand. So there's like five people on this farm doing their thing. No, you're right, five. Yep, because she's got three kids like, plus her four. plus the dude. I'm like, oh, no, nope, she had a baby boy. Now, running a farm by yourself is hard work, so Belle went looking for a new husband. Back in the early 1900s, there was no Tinder or Match.com, so Lonely Signals would post ads in the newspaper to attract a match. Kelly okay, just I, I clenched think I, everything. Okay, I think I have heard of this woman. <laughs> Bell submitted ads in the matrimonial columns of daily newspapers in Chicago and other Midwestern cities. The ad read, I have been practicing this voice. Do I it. know she is from Sweden, but I'm care. making a choice here because this is how I hear her. Personal, comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Yep, I've heard of this one before. Yeah. <laughs> That ad, I'm like, yep, I've read this story. So basically, she's asking for wealthy, eligible men to visit her rural farm cash in hand, which was fine back then. Right? It's like, just bring your fortune. Come check my farm. We'll get married. It'll be fine. You can't trust the banks anyway. It'll be fine. 
It didn't take long for men to respond to Bell's ad. In person. One of the noting that. In yes. Person. One of the men who responded was John Moe, who traveled from Elbow Lake, Minnesota. 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 With $1,000 in cash to help Belle pay off her mortgage. Aww. Honestly, after all the money she has made from killing everyone, how does she not own her house? She probably does. She probably just says she doesn't. True. Let's be honest. <laughs> Belle played it chill and told neighbors that John was her cousin. Because, you know, the scandal. <gasps> Within a week, John was missing, and he wouldn't be the last. It's hard to know exactly how things transpired on Bell's farm, as more and more suitors traveled to and disappeared from there. She kept the shutters perpetually closed and was only spotted working at night in the pig pen. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, gross, gross. But we can get some insight from one of the survivors. <gasps> George Anderson answered Bell's ad traveling from Tarkio, Missouri to Bell's farm. However, he did not bring any money with him. Good boy. George and Bell had dinner, and when she asked about money to help pay her mortgage, George said he would help financially if they were married. Good boy. George spent the night on the farm, but awoke in the middle of the night to Bell, this wall of a woman standing over him holding a candle. According to George, she had a dark, angry look on her face. When George awoke, Bell fled the room without a word. So George pieced the fuck out of there and caught the first train back to Missouri. He's like, fuck this shit. That was weird. Go, George. He had a fuck ton of kids. They're all living in Missouri, happy, not dead, living their best lives. Is that actually true? I don't know. Okay. That's my history headcanon <laughs> that George almost died. I'm like, like, I didn't look into him. No. One suitor, Olby Budsberg from oh, Iola. An unfortunate name. Yes. He was not born at the time where he could have come up with, like, a really cool, like, pot right. store brand. Budsburg's Buds. Well, and his first name was Olby. I'm sorry out there if oh. you're named Olby. Ol B. B oh. is his middle initial. Wait, his first name is Ol? O-L-E. A lot of these men were also from Sweden. Okay. So she was, like, preying I mean, on I mean, other no Swedish immigrants. no offense to anyone. I was just like, that's, yeah, I've never heard anyone named that. Good Olby. Yeah, I thought his name was Olby, and I'm like, that's a weird name. So Ol came from, uh, or maybe it's Oli, like Oli and Lena, because he's from yeah, Wisconsin. That would, that would probably make okay, sense. Okay, Oli B. Budsberg, <laughs> which is an infinitely better name. Yes. From Iola, Wisconsin, was last seen at the Laporte Savings Bank, where he mortgaged his land back in Wisconsin, leaving with thousands of dollars in cash. See, she had to be, I'm sorry, but back then, she had to be good looking. She wasn't, though. She wasn't? No. She was... Here's Maybe the it was just like, well, I know she can produce children and she has a fuck ton of land. Let's yeah. do this. She's got a ton of money. She's got a ton of land. She's single. She I'm single. Money. Well, she says oh, in the ad, she's combined well fortunes. Now. Here's the other thing. Okay. That's another thing. If that's in your ad, why aren't these men going... If you have this fortune, why the fuck can't you pay your mortgage? Well, she doesn't want to support some broke-ass mofo. Know, still. Yeah. During this period, Belle gained a trunk obsession. She was regularly ordering trunks to be delivered to the farm. The trunk delivery guy would later remark how she would throw two trunks over her shoulders and carry them like they weighed nothing because she is a massive woman. And I'm not trying to, like, body shame or call her ugly. Well, I mean, at 5'8", five, five, that weight wouldn't look 
Like, she wouldn't look fat. She'd be muscular. Right. Here's the thing, though. She's a murderer, so I'm going to say whatever I want about her. And I will call her, like, a wall of a woman and some stony-faced bitch, okay? (laughs) She sucks. Before suitors would come to Belle's farm, they would carry on a correspondence via letters. A letter from Belle from one of her victims, Andrew Helgeline of Aberdeen, South Dakota, was found in his home after he had disappeared. It read... To the dearest friend in the world, no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person, and you I like better than anyone in the world I know. I think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world, will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive anything nicer? I think if you constantly, when I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song, it is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats with wild rapture for you. My Andrew, I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. Okay, she's a really good writer. You get it a little now, right? She was a sexy writer. She should have just written romance novels. She should have written fucking rich. She should have written sexy mystery romance novels. Okay. And I'm sure they were not like sending pictures back and forth. No. This was the last letter Andrew received before he flew to the Indiana farm with his entire savings of $2,900. He and Bell went to the local bank to deposit the money, and a few days later, Bell made two bank visits to different banks, depositing 500 bucks in one and 700 in the other. Don't know why. I don't know what the, the point of that is. At this point, just... Pfft. she's. You get the pattern. Andrew was nowhere to be found. I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing about these poor men being lured to their deaths, but I promise we are almost to the end. Earlier, I mentioned farmhand Ray Lamphere. He was the only other adult living on the farm, and things had been fine for a while. It's said that Ray was in love with Belle. She's got, like, magic titties. Everyone loves this chick. Everyone wants to bone this chick. Right. And he would do whatever she asked. Naturally, men flooding the farm to court Bell did not sit too well with Ray. Even though, he, like, they were dying? I... T- whatever. He On- must not have realized that. He must have just thought they left. I think he... I he had he to know, did. right? On February 3rd, 1908, Bell fired Ray for consistently throwing fits and making scenes. He was just too dramatic. Like, I'm a no drama kind of girl, and it was just like too much, you know? Every time a guy showed up, he was like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm not killing you. I don't know what your fucking problem is. Uh, you never fire someone you know knows all the details about right? your life. She's, she's getting a big head. Then, so after she fires him, she goes to the local courthouse to tell authorities that Ray was insane and a danger to the public. That's when you can fire the person who knows where the bodies are buried, when you can in turn say that they're a danger of the public and crazy. She was able to convince them to hold a sanity hearing to determine if Ray really was a threatening madman. They determined he was sane and let him go. Then, Bill had Ray arrested for trespassing, saying he was a threat to her family. But that was not the end. 
Ray began frequenting the farm, threatening Bell, and he would talk to neighboring farmers, dropping hints about what had been happening on Bell's little farm. He said, Helgaline, Andrew, who I had just been talking about, won't bother me no more. We fixed him for keeps. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, totes not sinister. Ray couldn't have been more wrong, though. Andrew rose from the dead. No, I'm kidding. It's like, wait, what? Andrew's brother, Acel, naturally grew concerned because he hadn't heard from his brother. He started a correspondence with Bell asking where his brother was, and Bell wrote that Andrew wasn't at the farm and probably went off to Norway, you know, without telling anyone. Acel said that there was no way he would have done that, and he was going to come looking for his brother in Laporte. Belle, who is getting way too big for his britches, for her britches, basically challenges Acel to come looking for his brother and offers to help. But if she's going to help, Acel had better pay her for her time. Jeez. I did a major eye roll right there. Yeah. Like, that is Jesus Christ, this woman. Disgusting. Acel began planning his trip to Laporte, uh, and with the threat of Acel's visit and Ray's increasingly erratic behavior, Belle could feel the walls closing in. Bell had hired Joe Maxson to replace Ray as a farmhand in February of 1908, so shortly after she fired Ray. Yeah. On April 28th of 1908, Joe woke up to the smell of smoke. Huh. Where have we heard this before? Surprise, surprise, the house was on fire. Joe yelled for Bell and the three children, Myrtle, Lucy, and Philip, but got no response. He, the only way he was able to escape the flames was jumping out of his second floor bedroom window. Cause he like opens the door and there's just fire. fire there's yeah. no way for him to go anywhere else. Jesus. He ran into town to get help, but by the time it arrived, all that was left was the burnt out shell of the house. So where were Belle and her children? Her three children, Myrtle, Lucy, and Philip were found still in their beds. A fourth body was found. It was that of an adult woman. But she was curiously missing her head. Yeah, it's not huh. Belle. Belle had been talking to people in town about Ray's erratic behavior and his explicit threats to burn her house down. So naturally. Everyone's like, fucking Ray. Yeah. The first thing Ray did when confronted by authorities was ask, did Will, did, did Widow Ganesh and the kids get out all right, but still claim to have nothing to do with the fire? You know, super cash. I mean, that's what I would ask, too. If someone was like, oh, this person's house burned down, I'd be like, oh, my God, are they okay? Well, I think the implication is that they were like, hey, can we talk to you? Did they escape the fire? What fire? Oh, okay. <laughs> However, a local boy had witnessed Ray running from the burning house, and Ray was arrested for arson and murder. When authorities investigated the house, things only got weirder. Because the story isn't batshit enough already. Right. The headless woman they found in the house was thought to be Belle until they realized that the body was only five foot three and 150 pounds. Remember, Belle was almost six feet tall and 200 pounds. The woman's body and the bodies of the three children were all determined to contain lethal doses of strychnine. I mean, at least they were dead before they were burned. It's better than True. my lady. <laughs> True. So if the headless corpse wasn't Belle, who was it? Ray later confirmed that Bell had lured a young woman from Chicago promising work as a housekeeper a few days before the fire. So Bell basically so Ray planned did to set the fire, but under Bell's orders, he basically. was 100% in on this. Okay. Then Acel came looking for his brother in May because it takes time to plan a trip right. in those days. Um, 
And he said that he believed that Bell had done something to his brother. The new handyman, Joe, also mentioned that Bell had asked him to dispense loads of dirt in the area where the hogs were fed to fill in deep depressions in the ground. But it was totally nothing. With this information, authorities returned to the farm and found all of Bell's suitors. Body upon body was recovered from the pen. The bodies of Acell's brother, Andrew, and Jenny, Bell's adopted daughter, who had allegedly gone off to school, and Peter were identified. Oh, Bell, husband, I was like, Peter. Peter, her second husband, yeah. who <laughs> either got scalded by, by Brian or, or hit on the head. head by a meat grinder, yep. <laughs> Bell had upwards of 40 victims, and not all of them oh, could be Jesus identified. Those so, was she throwing... You might not even know this. Was she throwing the body in their hole and then the pigs would eat them and so just the bones were left? I will get there. Okay. I will get there. So she had upwards of 40 victims. Those who couldn't be identified were buried in the pauper section of Laporte's Pine Lake Cemetery. Andrew and Jenny were buried in Patton Cemetery near Peter Ganess. The headless woman was buried as Belle Ganess because they honestly didn't know what else to do. They're like, well, Belle's gone and there's a woman here. I guess we're just burying her. I guess we're just going to say she shrank in right. the fire. Ray Lamphere was convicted of arson, but not murder because they couldn't determine that the headless body was Bell's. It's the whole thing. Yeah. And he later confessed on his deathbed that he had never killed anyone, but was very much aware of what Bell was doing and helped her dispose of the bodies. So he knew what was going on. He knew people were dying, but, but he's he didn't like, overtly kill anyone. I just help bury people, you know? Right. He's like, I love her. So I'm just going to help. Which, here's the thing I think Bell was definitely killing people, but. I don't think Ray never killed anyone because that's a common thing with criminal duos. They always put the bl- the responsibility like, of the well, killing I on the other. But I didn't yeah. kill anyone. Well, I was there, but yeah. like they actually killed them. Yeah. It wasn't that me. is you're right. That is very very common. Yeah, but Belle is a monster, and she was definitely the mastermind killing people. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Sometimes Belle would drug her victim's coffee and then split their heads with a meat chopper. Sometimes she would chloroform her victims in their sleep or poison them with strychnine. Once they were dead, she would take them to the basement and dissect their bodies using techniques she had learned from her second husband, Peter the Butcher. That's creepy. Yeah. She would then dispose of the bodies in the hog pen, sometimes using quick lime and sometimes feeding the remains to the hogs, you know, if she was feeling lazy. If she just, like, I can't today. I just can't with this. Over the years, Belle was spotted in various cities across the U.S., but was never caught. Hmm. We are almost done, I promise. Oh, it's fine. I'm actually, like, super interested. I I hope this story would be interesting, because it was just like, and then she kills another guy, and then she kills another guy, and we all know what's going on here, Right. but she kills another guy. So this next section is titled, The Dun 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 Moment. Nice. In 1931, over 20 years after Belle Ganesse was last seen in Laporte, a woman named Esther Carlson was arrested in Los Angeles. Her crime? Poisoning her husband for the insurance money. Sound familiar? Esther died while awaiting trial because she was a super old lady. But when showed a picture of the woman, those who knew Belle Ganesse were certain it was her. This is a prevailing theory, but the truth is darker. You see, Esther Carlson was a serial killer in her own right. While Belle was wrecking shit in Indiana, Esther married her first husband who died 14 years later after being poisoned. Then she killed another dude and her husband's friend. 
There is plenty of documentation that Esther Carlson was kicking around at the same time as Belganess. It's not like she just miraculously appeared without with no identity right. before 1908. Yeah. Because I've listened to a lot of podcasts that talk about Belle, and the ending is always, Esther was Belle. And there's a lot of evidence, but Esther was a documented person at the same time as Belle. Could Belle have assumed her identity after killing her? Oh, shit. Who knows? Emily's like, I didn't think of that. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is the dun-dun-dun moment. (laughs) But let's be honest. There's a long history of women poisoning their husbands for insurance money. Yeah, it's basically its own crime step. genre. She yeah. Killed her children, burned down several things. Yeah. And then went on a short killing spree of I'm not not I'm going to go out and find someone like most serial killers. Nah. You're going to come to me. She was very efficient. Yeah. She didn't like to leave the house either. She wanted to stay at home Closed in her shutters. sweats. Didn't want anyone to bother her. So legacy Belle is recognized as one of the most ruthless murderers to have ever stalked this country. But I'm tired of talking about her. She sucks. She's evil. We can move on. Let's talk about her victims. There is an ongoing effort to try and identify the victims who were discovered on the farm. In 2007, the headless woman who had been found was exhumed by forensic anthropologists from the University of Indianapolis. They were going to try and compare the DNA from the woman with the DNA from a sealed envelope that Bill had sent to one of her victims, but there wasn't enough DNA on the envelope to discern anything. They are still working on finding living relatives of other potential victims to compare DNA and give them back their names. That's there, super cool. There are so many people where, you know, like people living nowadays probably have, oh, yeah, like my great grandfather just disappeared. just disappeared and no one knows what happens to him. It's just kind of this weird thing we never yeah, talk that's about. Really interesting. So that is the too long and too sad story of Belle Guinness. At least one guy was smart. I'm so proud of George. I know. And then Andrew's brother, Acel, for being like, "Mm -mm, Mm -mm, something's wrong. I'm coming. I don't like this. No, thank you. Scandahoovian in him. Oh, my God. All right. That was fun. So now is the time to say what we are thankful for. And I think we both really fucking need it. It's not that I can't, like, think of anything. I'm, like, trying to think of, like, something good. I've got something. Go. Go for it. This is kind of a cheer slash one I'm thankful for. I've been having these like really kind of manic moods lately. And on Monday, I was really struggling. I was super irritable and just high energy. And so instead of like freaking out, <laughs> like I, my boyfriend was really irritating me by just being around, which is not healthy. Like he's a wonderful man. But I it love happens. Him. It happens. But I could tell like this is something that I'm having a yeah. hard time with. It doesn't have to do with him. So I told him I was like, okay, I just made dinner. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm just going to run on the treadmill. And he's like, oh, okay, let me know if you need anything. Aww. And so I ran for two miles straight, which I've never done before. Woo-hoo! So g- yay for healthy co- healthy coping mechanisms yeah, I was just like, like, run, running is great because it releases endorphins yeah and you sweat and you like you can you get out of your own head and well and i my goal was just to make my body feel so tired that i couldn't say that you burn didn't off have that, that energy, energy. Yep. yeah so i was really thankful that i was able to identify my feelings and then a healthy coping mechanism to deal with them so yeah that's my thankful thing yeah i still don't have anything <laughs> 
You don't have to have something. Like, I'm I'm thankful for a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm thankful for my husband and my dogs and my family and blah, 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 blah. But I feel like I've said all of those things. So I'm like, I don't want to repeat myself. I'm thankful you came to my party Yeah, sorry. Last I was weekend. only there for like an hour and a half. That's okay. I was feeling semi-antisocial. Uh, that was me on Sunday. I couldn't summon. We were supposed to record this on Sunday, and I... I don't know I guess what that's my thankful me. for. I'm I'm thankful for Emily putting up with me and how many times I've been <laughs> like, can we change the date? Like, because I've done that a lot. Because a lot of times it's, it's whether it's my anxiety or just like I literally just can't do it or my research isn't done. Emily has always been accommodating, and like I mean, and usually I give her a choice. I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling it. Can we move it? Like I'm not going to be like Emily. We have to move. It. Yeah. Well, and then. I feel that I can do that when I need it, which I yeah. definitely did Sunday. I was oh, like, that's good. I know we've rescheduled this I even already. Said, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm a terrible co-host. You're not a terrible co-host. And I so, love you. I love you too. And we love our listeners. We love you guys so much. We don't know you, but we love you. We want to know you. We so do. Hit us up on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHpod. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our email is whiningabouthistory at gmail.com and we have a website which is whiningabouthistory.com which i'm actually currently trying to make better because you're amazing but and please, because it's kind of boring right now i'll be 100 percent honest that's okay because we make up for it with our jazz hands that you can't see but please send us your recommendations for women. If you have a say their name that you would like us to uh, shout out, please send that. Even if it's just someone in your life, like my mom's really killing it this week. Can you like say her name? We will say your mom's name. We yeah. love man. And then maybe just play just that like 30 seconds of the episode to your mother. I think I said this in a previous episode. My boyfriend's mom yeah. and her friend listened to snippets of one of our episodes yeah, and we're like, swears. she swears a lot. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't swear around you. You're my That's, boyfriend's mom. <laughs> my, my mom said that too. And she like, said that when we said it last time that she's like, you swear a lot in your episodes. I'm like, well, yeah, I just don't swear around you, mom. You're well, my mom. <laughs> here's the thing. These stories make us very angry sometimes. So yeah, especially don't have them listen to this episode where we're like, "Fuck you, Belganess!" Oh, <laughs> children murdering their parents. Fuck you guys. And then parents murdering their children. <sighs> we went full circle. Yeah, we <laughs> That's a lot of lot of Scandahoovian oh. murder. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.